This is the Careers in Review podcast. We'll show you how to navigate the job market and career space like a pro. Starting now, here is your host, Ediana Rosen. Hello, career reviewers, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Ediana, your host, and today I have Mike with me. Mike is a friend that I've made lately here on social media talking all about recruitment and the job searching process. Mike, welcome to the podcast. How Thank are you? you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm excited. You're the first person since I started trying to meet anyone on social media who's come to talk to me. So I'm extremely excited and happy that it's you. You were one of the first people that even like reached out to me when I started making videos. Well, I feel very special to hear that. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy that you were able to accept the invite. I'm going to go ahead and just read a little bit of your bio because it is so amazing. And I know that this is your first podcast interview as well. So the people on the podcast are just in for a treat. And we were just discussing before I hit record that Mike is just blowing up all over social media. So I will be sure to link all of his socials in the show notes. Mike is giving us all of the behind the scenes of the crazy stuff that's going on on the job market right now. So please make sure to follow. He has all of the tips. And again, he's a recruiter, so who better to give you all of the tips? Mike has over a decade of hiring experience between running large offices, third-party staffing agencies, and working at multiple early-stage startup companies. He is also a content creator, bringing a human and vulnerable feel to the job search in order to bring transparency to the process and remind frustrated job seekers that there are humans on both sides of the aisle. That's right. We are humans. Turns out recruiters are people. We are not robots. Peepity-boopop. <laughs> We're not robots. And we are here to be seen, just like you are. He has built a reputation for always going to bat for people who need the support and focus on how things are done, how to best navigate them rather than focusing on how we wish he was. He is currently focusing on some consulting opportunities as a way to keep doing what he loves while continuing to be there for job seekers in what has become a rough year to talent acquisition. Mike, I love it. Welcome to the show. Please take it away and tell me what brought this passion on, on the content creation piece to just peel down the curtain and to just give that feel, that human aspect to recruiters. Like what brought that on? The content creation thing came from absolutely nowhere, honestly. Like this was never my thing. Right, the passion for recruiting and talent, it's all been there for a long time. And I'm an unknown in the industry. You know, there's there's names people know if you pay attention to talent acquisition. And I'm not one because I've worked at companies no one's ever heard of. And, you know, I've never really built a large network. And after I was laid off in November from a job I loved, and I was just like one of those heartbreaking layoffs and real struggle to find another job. I found a job and decided I was just going to like make a TikTok video about some job search tips. Just like I had this new job. It was starting a little bit slow with onboarding and things like that. And I had some extra time. So I like uploaded a video and I texted like a friend of mine, told her maybe 10 people are going to see this. I have no plans. And I kept telling people like, this isn't going anywhere. This is just like for fun. And it just, I don't know, it stuck within a couple videos. I was getting a lot of views and people were joining in. It took like three or four videos and a couple like larger names in the content industry sort of just like saw my video and all started commenting in it, like tagging other people who could come see my videos. And then all of a sudden I was two weeks in with like 3000 followers. Um, and I was just like, okay, I think I have something. 
I liked my approach. I think, I think my approach stuck with people. And then I lost my new job, uh, like a couple of weeks into making content. And I got on TikTok and I was just like, okay, I just got fired. Not because of TikTok, but I just got fired. And for three weeks since I've been on here, you've all been telling me, I don't get it. You're ignoring the stories I'm talking about my own layoff. You're telling me I'm in a, a position of power here and I don't understand what I'm talking about. And I don't know what it's like to be unemployed. So here we go. I'm going to show you myself do it again for the second time. And it hit a nerve. Like that caught people, right? That was just, I don't think there's anyone making that content right now as the like quote unquote expert. Like I hate that term, but someone who just knows this process and is stuck in this terrible process right now. Um, and I think I just landed in the middle of this Venn diagram that people wanted to hear. And then all of a sudden it started taking off. Absolutely. Any tea there with your job or do you not know like what happened? I'd love to know if you're comfortable sharing. Um, what I'll say is, <laughs> right, any anytime a job goes that short, there's things don't go well on all ends. Nothing dramatic happened. There was no gross misconduct. There was no huge event. Sometimes the wrong person winds up in the wrong company and it just isn't the fit. And it was sort of clear the work was there and I can, I can fill roles at any company, but I don't think I believed it was a super long-term fit. They clearly didn't believe it was a super long-term fit. So while in my mind, I was wondering, will this last? It was a lot less risky for them to say this won't last um, and decide that it won't last and kind of save the time. And, you know, it was, it was fair. They weren't wrong. I wasn't wrong, but there's no great story to share. Uh, there's nothing I've been hiding about it. It's just your standard wrong person in the wrong place. Yeah. Now, you know, every time when I heard your story on TikTok saying like, hey, I just lost my job again. It reminds me of The Office when Michael, I don't know if yeah. you're an Office fan, mm -hmm. but when Michael quit his job and he was trying to tell the story to everybody <laughs> and Pan was like, we finally want to hear a story he has to tell and he knows it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I was dying to like know if something had happened. But anyways, I just love that story that you told us how it is true. Not everybody is telling the story as it's happening because that's the thing about social media. People are very used to showing us and myself included, I'm very guilty of that. Just showing the highlight reel of their lives or showing the after. Right. Like, and then they just kind of tell you like, oh, this is what I used to be. And this is where I am today. But they never really show the process of what it's like to be in the thick of it. And I think that that content is very attractive because not a lot of people do it. And when they do do it, people are like fascinated because I cannot believe that you're being this vulnerable to show us that you're in the thick of it right now. But tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a recruiter. And when you say that you want to bring the human side to what it's like to be a recruiter in the recruiting process, what do you mean by that? Can you break that down for us? Yeah, it's just, we don't have to sugarcoat what most people think about recruiting and about anyone who works in HR and sort of the reputation that exists there. And there are a lot of very bad actors in the recruiting industry. Um, and there's also a lot of very good actors, of course, like any job. But with recruiting and with hiring, you have so much say and influence over people's lives, their literal day-to-day -day life and paying bills. And I think sometimes people forget how much responsibility comes with that. And that was the thing that right away for me jumped out when I got into recruiting. Like every recruiter, I fell backwards into it. I, you know, I had a friend who was the first recruiter at a small staffing agency. 
and I was looking for a new job, like a pivot in my career. And he said, you'd be really good at this. Come work for me. So I said, okay, uh, I trusted him. And I went and it just, it clicked immediately. It was just the right place for me. And I was placing people within two or three weeks of doing it, having no idea like how to recruit in the tech industry. And the firm where I worked, they had this policy of like meeting with every candidate you worked with, going out for coffee, like getting to know them. And it was just like, well, that seems natural to me. And they were like, oh, nobody else does that. I was like, oh, okay. So I just started meeting everybody like they wanted us to do and getting to know them and learning about their lives. And like so much, that was the nice thing about external recruiting compared to internal. It was like, you're allowed to pry about that stuff. Internal, you can't. You can't just start asking about their kids and their families and things like that. But like external, you can build these friendships with people. And I'm still in contact with people a decade later who I started meeting doing that. And and that's just sort of what I mean by it. And it's the same thing in my content, right? I There are really funny content creators and I'm a funny person, but I'm not a funny content creator. And there are content creators who give very clear, like set information, do this, this, and this. But for me, it was always just sort of like, here's what I would do. Here's how I'm handling it. And I'm going to show you me doing it. And it resonates. Like I never forget when I talk to any candidate that I'm dealing with someone going through probably the most stressful time of their life. And I think you just have to keep that in mind every day. Absolutely. You said something that I think it's foreign for a lot of people that might be listening to the podcast. And I would love for you to break it down. Internal versus external recruiters. Can you tell me the difference between an external and an internal recruiter or for lack of a better word, a third party recruiter? Yeah. So an external recruiter, you might hear agency or third party. It's essentially a firm that is engaged by another company to help them hire. So whether they're struggling to fill a role or don't have enough hiring or whatever it might be, they will ask a third party company to help them fill the role. And the third party company usually has kind of like a Rolodex of candidates, right? Because during this time as a third party recruiter, I'm grabbing coffee with people, I'm meeting them. And I know 10 senior software engineers who are looking. So if you come to me, and so we need a senior software engineer. I can say, here's a couple I've met who make sense for this role. And you're paid based on the salary you get them. So while third-party recruiting has a lot of knocks, people like to make against it because you're not really involved in decision-making. You're always a few steps behind what the company's doing. You only know the information they tell you. A third-party recruiter gets paid more when you get paid more. So you can usually rest assured at a minimum that they are going to bat for you on a salary versus internal, right, where you are the working for the company, representing the company, you're only hiring directly for that company. Perfect. Well, thank you, Mike, for that explanation. I hope that that helps some of the listeners understand the differences because I think it's important. You know, they are all the time asking on TikTok, well, how do I get in touch with a recruiter? And how do I reach out? And, you know, how do I get them to help me through the process? And that's, I think, the first step is understanding which type of recruiter you're working with. And then one step further, once you understand that is how you can find them. I have my own beef on connecting with recruiters and whether they're the right person to connect with, especially if you're working with internal, but that's for another podcast. That's a whole nother hour <laughs> that we can chat on. And I want to also chat a little bit about the latest content piece that essentially has done really well for your socials, both on LinkedIn and TikTok. And that's about the piece that you can essentially control, right? Like when it comes to the interview process, there's a lot that is out of our control as job seekers. And that's what makes it so difficult and so abstract for a lot of people because it's so subjective, right? But there's one thing that you always can count on, or at least 98% of the time you can count on. And those are the type of questions that a lot of companies are going to ask you. 
Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience in the past few weeks that you've been interviewing for roles and tell us a little bit about that piece of content you created and why you think it resonated so much with your audience. So the video I made essentially was me just sort of complaining on a Saturday afternoon about my last week of job searching, like a lot <laughs> of people on TikTok do. We feel you. We feel you. Right. And, you know, I've, I've seen these people sort of talk through interviews before. It was a busy week because it's, it's hard to get interviews right now. And I had a week where I had six first round screens with six different companies. Every single one of them felt like the exact same interview. It was as if there is a script being given to companies right now. Just here's the conversation to have. Tell me about yourself, which is a fine starting question. Okay. But every interview starts with tell me about yourself. Why do you want to work here? Which I have very strong thoughts against that question, but that's always the next question. Why do you want to work here? What is your greatest weakness? Uh, and I sort of led, I was asked six times, tell me about yourself. Six times, why do you want to work here? Five times, what is your greatest weakness? I take notes on everything when I do interviews. I track data on everything because I post it and I share it with my followers. Like, here's what percentage of interviews come late. Here's how many interviews I get for every application. And I track all this. And I am a very critical recruiter of recruiting process. Part of this comes from so much time in the startup world where you have to build the process. I've never really been lucky enough to work somewhere where it's just sort of like everything runs smooth and great. And every company has their own problems. Nothing runs perfectly anywhere. But I've always had to sort of like help build it out and retrain people and, and do all these things. So I have a lot of strong opinions. And I know that job seekers do too. But most job seekers don't know the work that goes into trying to make things better. So I think this video is stuck because half of it was just like, yeah, here are our job seeker complaints. And the other half was just sort of like, but this is why it's this way. And let's just worry about attacking it. I focus a lot in my videos. And this was one where I say, stop worrying about how it should be. There is a ton of content and it's very easy content to make to say how job searching should work. And how a recruiter should be treating you. And it'll get lots of views and people agree because say, yeah, yeah, they should. And, you know, I can say we can talk about how it should be, but we need jobs today. So let's focus on what it's like today and how we're going to deal with this. And there's always going to be the comments of that's a defeatist attitude. That's how you accept it. And my response to those people is always go fight the fight, fight the revolution. I hope you change the future. I honestly do. But people need to pay rent this month. And I'm trying to help them get a job this month. And when you change it down the road, we'll deal with what it's like down the road. But I can't change it today. I'm not that powerful. That message resonates with people, I think, because they have to understand that to just do these things. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree not more. And if people could see me on the podcast right now, I'm literally <laughs> nodding along. Like, I'm a Bible head right now. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, it's so interesting because I want to just make a note a lot of the new people entering the workforce, for lack of a better word, is Gen Zs, right? And they're the ones that are really pushing back on the job searching process to no fault of their own. Right now, it's one of the hardest job searching processes that I've experienced in my lifetime, uh, aside from 2008, I want to say. And uh, I mean, I don't know if we can compare it because it's definitely a different era. I think this is worse. It's, it's because it's oversaturated with the amount of people, like the qualified people applying for jobs, right? And remote work didn't exist in 2008. Yes. You could only compete for a job in your city in 2008. 
that is what's making it so difficult, right? It's the unprecedented piece that was not introduced back then. It's the flexibility that we had from 2020 of the pandemic and people working from home and then job seekers having a lot of the power, which was not present back in 2008, right? So now we're switching it back to the power of, of the employer. But what I wanted to add was that essentially I think that Gen Z is could potentially have some power at some point, but I don't want them to lose sight of that because I think that they do have very valid points on criticizing these things. And we do want to make it better. That's what I want them to understand. We are hearing you. We want to make the job searching process better. The thing that we want them to understand is that in the meantime, there's only a small percentage of us who get it. There's only a small percentage of us who agree, yes, this is broken. There's still a lot of people in the power that are in the older generation who still say, if it's not broken, don't fix it. It's worked for us this many, many years. We're going to continue to just copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. It's like the same thing with job descriptions. You go in every single website and it's very rare that a company would create their own. They're just copying, pasting on job descriptions. And they're going to sound the same, very robotic, very like generic, right? And people say like, oh, you know, I've, I actually came across a video the other day of somebody interviewing in the UK or somewhere in the in Europe. And they said how different it felt because they did not get asked these weird questions like, what are your weaknesses and why do you want to work here and all this other stuff. And also people have to understand that employment laws here are very different. And the reason why companies utilize these metrics of asking questions generically to people is to eliminate biases so that we can essentially use the same ruler against everybody who's interviewing which again, makes it very genetic, but you are being evaluated the same exact way and we're utilizing your answers to make decisions. Hey, career reviewer. I'm interrupting myself because I have something super exciting for you. I want to give you a free resume review. This usually go for $387. You can check out the link to book a regular call on the show notes. This offer is exclusive to my podcast listeners. And I do these reviews on IG and TikTok lives every week. All you have to do is leave an Apple or Spotify podcast review, take a screenshot of that, and send it over to careersinreview at gmail.com. That email is careersinreview at gmail.com. In that email, you're going to go ahead and attach that resume that you want me to review. Be sure to remove any personal identifiable information and give you permission to review that on a live. And I will give you all the personalized tips on how to make that resume better so that you can apply for the job you want. If you can make the live on the scheduled time, do not worry because I'm going to go ahead and send you the replay. Now, back to the show. I love what you said, Mike. People need to make, you know, payments on their bills. We need to essentially learn how to play the game until we can make it better. And I think that the people who essentially are saying the system is broken and needs to get fixed... Until it's your time to make a, a change, take note of that. Why do you think that it needs to be changed? What are the things that you would want to make it? How do you want to make it better? Because sometimes you ask that question, well, what are the changes you want to make? Give me an example of like, what would you suggest? And they don't ever have an answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's like two really big points I want to make with that. And the one, and I tell people this all the time, and Gen Z doesn't know this. And it's not their fault. I am what they call a geriatric millennial, right? I am right on just like the customer. It's the most insulting name you can give a generation possible. I'm a geriatric millennial where I could fit into like three different categories. The amount of good change that I have seen in the workforce over my career is astronomical. And Gen Z doesn't know that. 
and that's fine. But if you would have told me not even 20 years ago, if you would have told me 10 years ago that a huge portion of the workforce would be working remote and that people would be focusing on work-life balance and that people would be allowed to change jobs every six months without really being punished for it. And that companies who were focusing on culture were getting the best talent and that companies were being held responsible for mistreating people. And right, they still get away with it, of course, but that like, there is a huge shift that has happened over the last five years, let alone 10 or 15 or 20. And I don't think everyone realizes that. So you do have to accept that perfect can be the enemy of good. You know, it is not perfect yet, but it is getting better and it is making changes. There are people in place, like you said, trying to make these changes and more and more of them will come. But yes, at the end of the day, if you need a job today, you don't get to apply 10 years from now standards to the job. I don't know what they'll look like in 10 years. I hope I'm not still job searching in 10 years, but you know, we'll see. I, I just, I think people have to remember how much change has happened. Absolutely. I totally agree. You know, you mentioned in your post, the market is bad and hiring teams are struggling, but it doesn't excuse uninspired hiring. What do you mean by that? So uninspired hiring to me is is this, right? It's the same questions that you've heard passed down from generation to generation. There are too many people who are not trained properly to be interviewers. There is no barrier to entry to becoming a recruiter. And there is no barrier to entry to becoming a hiring manager other than just like working somewhere long enough. And then you can become a hiring manager. You know, the first time I ever got interviewed was when I was 16 years old and was applying for a part-time job. And I heard the same questions on that interview that I'm hearing now because they just get passed down from generations. That's where uninspired comes to me. And uh, I got in the comments on my LinkedIn post where I mentioned it, someone said something about like, well, I like to ask that question because it lets me segue into learning about them. I said, yes, that's great. But why not say it in a different way? Why not, instead of saying, tell me about yourself, which confuses and stresses candidates because they don't know if you mean personally or professionally or the kind of stuff you want to hear, especially if they're younger and they've never done this before. Why not make them more comfortable, make it clear you've read their resume and say, I notice you've worked on this, this, and this in your career. Tell me about that and how that got us here today. It's the same question but it starts them off on a guide. It starts them down the path to give you the answer you're hoping to hear from them. When they're comfortable, when they're made comfortable in those first few minutes, it's a totally different interview. And I don't think enough thought goes into creating a comfort level with candidates. And that's just uninspired to me is to just like, why do you want to do it? Can you tell me this? Can you tell me this? You need certain questions, of course, but you can try to change those things ever so slightly. And when I say stretch thin, I think that is what good TA teams work on. That is something that is a passion of mine. That is something I work very hard on with people um, when I'm working with them as hiring managers. And being in startups for most of my life, I've worked with a lot of very young and new hiring managers who never got that training to try and help them think about how to interview differently. Unfortunately, those budgets are being cut at a lot of companies. We're seeing it. We're seeing what's happening in the TA world. And there's going to be a downside to that, which is you're going to have a lot of people who aren't properly being shown how to do this now even more buried in a tough market and struggling without the proper training and people in place to help. Absolutely. With this market right now, Mike, what's your number one tip? You know, you're just going through it yourself. And I know that this can be such a loaded question, but for people listening to the podcast right now, some of them have been job searching for months on end. Some of them might be getting desperate. What is something that you can tell them 
about the job searching process with your experience? This is tough because I know when people are in those situations you describe and they want to hear a really good tip right now that's just going to like solve it for them. But unfortunately, the number one tip that I always go back to is that there is no right answer. There is no magic trick here. There is no special fix. And that can be frustrating is what makes this really hard. Because most questions come, should I do this or should I do this? And my answer is yes. Should I try it this way? Should I try it this way? Yes, you should. To all of those. Because what works in one situation might not work in another. What works for you doesn't work for someone else. The best tip is understand the basis of how to get a job, which is build a strong resume. And there is a lot of great content on building strong resumes. If you follow any good recruiter on any manner, they're giving you a lot of very good resume information. It is out there. There's also a lot of very bad information out there. So hopefully you're finding the right people. But a good resume, applying to the right jobs and putting that resume together for it, and knowing that the stats right now and getting an interview are bad, and you have to accept that for yourself. You have to let yourself feel the gut punch and feel down. You're allowed to be down during this. Like It's okay. Uh, you can go up and down. And know that you're just using all the tools that are in place and something will break at some point, but like you can't put it on yourself. You can't wonder what you're doing wrong and what's happening. And sure, there are always little things you can try to improve, but like you're not just like missing the thing that like everyone else is figuring out. That's not what's happening. This market is like nothing young people especially have ever seen. And there's no easy way out of it. Just like a depressing number one thing to say. I know, but it's a reality, right? I think I think that's what people need to understand. And something else that I wanted to add to that is that it's not your fault. I feel like that's that's the number one heart crushing thing that I'm seeing right now. What is wrong with me? Like, am I not smart enough? What am I doing wrong? Like I've done so many networking calls in the past two months, I wanna say, for people that have been laid off lately. And they've all asked me the same question. All of them. I think I want to say like maybe 35 people on the phone call. They're all have nothing to do with one another. They don't know each other. They all have one thing in common. They've been on the job search for months and they all ask me, what is wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? And I reviewed their resumes and, you know, certain things that I, I would change here and there, but nothing fundamentally wrong with their resumes. Nothing. Some of them have gotten phone calls. Some of them have gone on interviews. Some of them have not. And nothing's fundamentally wrong. It's just the competition is fierce. And I think going back to the fact that back in 2008, you know, we didn't have hundreds, like even thousands of employees from companies of big names like we are right now. They're all in the job market looking at the same time. It's unfair. It's unfair for everybody that's in the mix. And I know that that doesn't really help to hear that, but it's the reality. And I just want everybody to know that it's not you. It's not you. It's everything else. And I think that there's so many factors. It's, of course, what's going on with the job market, but also the economy. There's a lot of people are spooked. A lot of companies don't want to make harsh decisions. It's just a lot going on. But with that being said, Mike, I also want to ask you, because I would love to hear from you, what's an underrated job searching or career advice that you would wish more people talked about? Hmm, that's a good one. I think one thing that I've seen resonating with people is I think people struggle to sort of adapt their interview through each step of the process. They kind of think step one, step two, the step final step, whatever it is, is going to be the same interview the whole way through. 
And I, I posted a video uh, a, a week ago or so where I just gave this really easy tip based on something that sunk me into second place of the job I really wanted on my search. They asked me in the interview, right? Okay, so you, you understand the role. We've been through these steps. You know what you're doing here. You know what the role is. What's the first thing you're going to implement when you get here? And I didn't have an answer. It caught me off guard and I should have because I've been thinking about this role a ton, but it just like, it surprised me. It was a great question. So I, I posted it. I was telling people on your final interview, they want to know that you're ready to solve this problem. Whether you are entry level or director level, you are being hired to fill some void at a company, to solve some problem and create a value there. During the process, you need to be listening and learning and figuring out what that is and coming to the final step, ready to talk about how you're going to do it, even if you don't get asked. Even if that question is not specifically asked, when you say, I'm so excited but to be at this level because just sort of learning all these things, I've realized you need this done and I can implement this plan in this way. I'm going to do this when I get here and get all this stuff. It's just that can be the difference when we talk about this competition, when we talk about 2,000 people applied for a job and they interviewed 20 and 10 made it to the second round. And then they pick three for the final round. Uh, you are three out of 2,000. That's like a math percent I can't even calculate right now in my head. It's such a small percentage that you made it into. And all three of those people are qualified and able to do this job. So that can be the difference between first place and second place out of 2,000 people. I think a lot of people get to the final interview and sort of view it as like, I'm at the final interview, so I'm the shoe in for this job. And you have to remember, like, no, you are now up against the cream of the crop for this job. So what can you do to prove that you are the best there? Mm. So imagining yourself in the shoes of the person already getting the job. Yeah, I just, I think every good final interview I've done, I've been asked, like, what ideas I have. And maybe that's not asked as, as much on an entry-level job. But having them anyway is still going to shine when you get to that interview. Right. I think it's because they want to see that you're seeing ahead. Like, what's the plan that you would have? Or if you can even critically think about why are we even hiring for this job, right? Like, are you able to predict what are the, the problems that we want this person to solve? So I absolutely love that tip. Yeah. And I saw it take off. And it's, it's another one of those ones that when you talk about creating content, you never know the one that's going to like resonate. You're just sort of there and you think like, oh, yeah, this is something that like I wish I had been told. Um, and then you just see it kind of hit with people. And yeah, I, I still kick myself over this job I didn't get in November. I would have been laid off for two weeks and had a job, you know, but I didn't get this one. And then the layoff lasted 105 days. And, and I can't say it's because of that question. You never know the, the actual cause. But again, when you're talking about being second out of all these people, and like I knew that rejection made them sad. Like I had a phone call where you can hear on the other end that like this person wished they could hire both people where on Monday they sent me a follow-up email, just like, again, apologizing for not hiring me and like wishing I was part of the process. Like it was like, I, I, I've had to make those kind of decisions and it is heartbreaking for people to let people go there. And I kick myself thinking about not coming prepared to like be in that role at that interview. So I try and warn people to be ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, tell us, how can we find out more about you? What's next for you? I know that you have exciting opportunities coming your way in the consulting world. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to content creation, what's next? Where can we find out more about your uh, your offerings and your content? And uh, where can we find out more? Yeah, I'm, I'm 
figuring out what's next. This has all happened very quickly. Um, I am on TikTok as Realistic Recruiting, right? That was where this started. There's an Instagram, the same name, but you don't have to go there. You can just stick to the TikTok. I did just open a, uh, like, start a YouTube channel. Nothing is uploaded yet, but that is sort of my next thing I think I want to get into because if you haven't been able to tell, right, you asked me, if you've ever been on my lives on TikTok, which I do almost every night, or even just listening to this podcast, I'm verbose and I talk a lot. I have a lot to say, like a minute video is really hard for me. So I'm, I'm excited at this opportunity to kind of like get some real microphones and equipment and put together, you know, once or twice a week, much longer deep dive into some of these things we talk about. Um, I think that can be beneficial. So that's next um, for that. And otherwise, I don't know. I gained like 20,000 followers in the last 48 hours on TikTok. I, I just, none of this was planned. I don't know what happens. Do I just make a lot of money now or how to, how, like, how do I, I, I don't have a plan for this, but it, it is very clear that I think I, I have a message people are interested in and that's exciting to me. Like, that's what I wanted. So now I, I don't, I don't know how you get it out to more people. And that's what I'm trying to figure out because it was never something I thought about. Again, I'm never thinking through for what happens when you get there. I'm just, once again, I wasn't ready to get to that stage and have an answer of what to do. Those are great plans. I think YouTube is definitely the next step for you if you do want to continue to spread the message and continue to post the content and have somewhere where you can essentially contact people in case those social media platforms are no longer here. Remember, we are on rented real estate right now. Mm -hmm. So I think YouTube is the next step and then potentially creating some sort of newsletter where you can, you know, have access to those people in case we don't, we don't know with TikTok, you know, TikTok is a great place for reach and creating content and all of that. But I don't know with the government and everything that's going on. So yeah, that is the next step too. I, I do have an email list in my, my link, my bio link on my TikTok where like a lot of content creators, I have a resume template and a guide I put together on how to write one. I will tell you, it is the resume I use. So it's, you know, if you hate it and you hate my resume too, but it's there for, for anybody. <laughs> I do want to have a newsletter. Newsletters have been a struggle for me. I sent one out when I first did it. And then every time I sit down and try and write one, I don't. So it might be a monthly thing. Uh, that might be the way to, to achieve that. I do promise for anyone who's given your email to me and then gotten nothing since that first email uh, that I promise I'm trying to figure it out. I just want it to be worth your time. I don't just want to like clog people's inboxes with more junk they don't have to read. Yeah, same, same. I created a newsletter like a year and a half ago and I have like 20,000 people on it and I haven't sent one single email. So I <laughs> I feel you. I, I'm right there with you. But Mike, I appreciate your time so, so much. Thank you yeah. for sharing your wisdom of realistic recruiting and behind the scenes of what's going on and teaching all of the listeners that we are not robots. We are real people here. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you so much, career reviewers. I'll see you on the next one. From effective networking to landing job offers, this is the podcast for action takers ready to be the best they can be without any fear. This is the Careers in Review podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode of Careers in Review. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter. You will receive exclusive information about upcoming shows, transcripts, and information about our guests. For all resources mentioned, show notes, transcriptions, and more details regarding topics discussed in today's show, please visit the Careers in Review website, www.careersinreview.com slash podcast. You can also follow Careers in Review on all socials for more exclusive video content. Thank you for listening.